Well, you know what I think. I'm a Christian. I'm not going to deny that. I do want everyone to feel comfortable. That's why I'd like to talk to you about Jesus. Please do not go religious. Somebody's going to hell over there. He better not. Even the devil will speak the truth for, for his own purposes. This is war. Accept it. Back to Jerusalem podcast. Yeah, I'm back and I'm armed with righteousness. With your host, Eugene Bach. He just seems like he's got it all figured out. He's a righteous dude. Yep. So cancel culture is a dress rehearsal for mass murder. So I'll be very clear. Cancel culture is a dress rehearsal for mass murder. They're seeing if people can be disappeared from social media. And if people accept people being disappeared from social media, then they will accept people being disappeared from the world. Hello and welcome to another Back to Jerusalem podcast. I'm Eugene Bach, your host for this time, and I'm coming to you live on delay from somewhere within the borders of America. And that is the topic of discussion that I want to do for this special podcast, Cancel Culture is a Dress Rehearsal for Mass Murder. That is done by a guy, the voice that you just heard at the beginning of this podcast was a guy by the name of Stefan Molyneux. And he is a professor or a teacher of philosophy. And you can find many of his videos, his philosophical videos online. Many of them are quite controversial, including this one. This one was just released on February 4th. It already has about a half a million views at the time that I'm doing this. And one of the things that he says in here that I think is very interesting is that cancel culture is a dress rehearsal for mass media. Is that true? Do I agree with it? Well, I believe that if we take a hard look at China, we see evidence from China that says that this is completely true. I think this is a warning, a warning that I can bring from the church in China and the experiences. By the way, this podcast is not political. This is not a political podcast. I'm not doing this to talk about politics for one party or another in any shape, form, or fashion. This is scriptural. One I'm about to lay out, which I believe does say that cancel culture is a dress rehearsal for mass murder. I believe in that because we have seen it in China and we're bringing the message from China. If we learn anything from China, it's that cancel culture is a term that's used to eliminate free speech and to eliminate those that speak it. This might be a hard podcast for many people to listen to. They may not see any direct correlation between how this impacts missionaries, but I would say those that want to cancel the speech of missionaries and cancel the life of missionaries is something that we know pretty well in China and have several decades of history to prove it. So we can reach back into our vaults of history and pull out experiences and information that I believe the rest of the world could benefit from it right now. Because in China, we learn that cancel culture is used to take away speech, take away life, and instill fear. The first thing that the communists did in China when they took over in 1949 was to cancel culture. And they did that by first taking over every manner of communication. So they took over TV, radio, newspapers, book printing, and school curriculum. Why? Not just to control the narrative. A lot of people believe, well, the TV, you know, they, they cancel out other people's views because they want to control the narrative. It's not just about controlling the narrative. It's about eliminating history. It's one of the reasons why the Bible is so, so important is because it records history, prophecy, 
and the fulfillment of those prophecies by witnessing history. It's this whole cycle that we see. And what we learn in history is how God acted on our behalf and how we went against our own best interests and God redeemed us from our own self-chosen disaster. We need that history, not just to see where we did things right and followed after God. We need that history, if anything, to see where we went wrong. So to get rid of history that you think is evil, I believe is a very bad move. Because when you get rid of history that you believe is, his, is bad and represents certain people or certain events in a bad light, what you do is you damn yourself and those after you of repeating that same mistake. When we could have learned just by reading through history, and that's why the enemy wants to get rid of history. Because he doesn't want you to learn from your mistakes. He wants you to repeat those mistakes. To get rid of the history of the failures of David, to get rid of the history of the failures of Moses, to get rid of the history of the failure of the Jewish people is to make us repeat it. Satan knows that. He likes that. He wants that. And he who controls media controls history. And he who controls history, Satan knows this. He who controls history controls the future. I'm going to say that again. Satan knows this very well. He who controls media controls history. And he who controls history controls the future. I see this rewriting of history in China once the communists took over. You see, the Chinese wanted to eliminate the history of the contribution of the missionaries. Why? Because what the missionaries did needed to be forgotten. Missionaries started hospitals to help the sick. They started orphanages to help the parentless. They started rehabs to help the addicted. They started homes to help the handicapped. They started businesses to help the poor. They started schools to help the illiterate. They started universities to help the women. They started factories to help the economy and development. They started labs to help the advancement of medicine. The communists could not allow this information to get out into the hands of the people because then it humanizes missionaries. Did all missionaries do good things? No. Did some missionaries screw it up pretty bad? Yes. Were they the majority? Not even close. They were a fraction of a fraction. And the communists could not allow that to come out because they needed to dehumanize these missionaries. And in order to do that, they needed to cancel culture, the culture that was created by the missionaries. So they rewrote history. They rewrote the history of missionaries and painted them as agents of evil imperialists. They used their religion to control the minds of the people and that control needed to stop. They profited from the suffering of the Chinese people and helped enslave them. But the communists, they were the ones that gave freedom. It wasn't the missionaries that first gave women their education in universities. Nope, it was the communists. It wasn't the missionaries who first built hospitals to give free medical care to the poor. Nope, it was the communists. It wasn't the missionaries who came in and helped the orphans. No, it was the communists. It wasn't the missionaries who came in and built homes for the handicapped. No, it was the communists. You see, in order to reshape the thinking of people's minds when the communists were in control, they had to rewrite history. 
so that the people always saw that the communists were always looking out for their best interests. But those evil missionaries, they were after your soul. They wanted to eat your children, literally. Literally, there was, there was propaganda that was written that shows missionaries crawling under barbed wire fence with knives in their mouth to come and kidnap children so that, ki that, so that these children could be sacrificed. And those that sacrificed them, the evil American missionaries, ate their flesh with glee. No joke. This was real propaganda. That was what I read some of this propaganda. It was crazy. Like I was like, there's no way people would believe this, but they did. The communists could not allow for the story, the history of God's people to be revealed. So Satan, moving through the Communist Party, canceled culture. In China, the cancel culture was used to dehumanize the missionaries. Words were used to make imperialists look like evil and bloodthirsty people. They were turned from people objects just by using their hate language. Now when the communists and the communist members and those that were ruled by the communists looked upon missionaries, they no longer saw people. They never they, they didn't they no longer saw fathers and their wives and their children and the families. They saw evil imperialists. You see Communists created objects with their words and then they made you hate that object. And then they took that object and then they associated it with people so that you would also hate those people and you wouldn't see them as people, you would see them as the object that you hate. By objectifying the people, they were able to eliminate the people because if you can eliminate an object, an idea, a concept that you hate, you can eliminate the people that represent that object and that concept that you hate. People that are objected, ob objectified, they're much easier to kill. We know this in the military. In the military, it's one of the reasons why uh, American military people like to say Japs, Kraut, Gooks. See, if you, if you give them a, a dehumanizing name, it's easier to hate them. We see this in China as well. I mean, with foreigners, especially with missionaries, it's very easy to say Laowai or Guaylo. This idea that they are, they are a demon personified in the flesh. Today we use it as a joke, Guaylo, but it's actually a very derogatory term that is used to dehumanize individuals so that your hate for them can be justified and easily embraced if they are associated with an object or an idea that is hated. And if you can erase from them and if you can erase them from your history, you can erase them from your life. If you can erase them from your life, then they don't even exist when you kill them. Their pain, their suffering, their blood doesn't even exist, doesn't even register. It's not even a dilemma. Christians must be canceled 
from culture. This is one of the number one things that I bring to you from China as we look at today's cancel culture. That I do believe and I agree with what this guy said, even though I may not agree with him with other things. I've, I haven't watched a lot of his videos. I know that it's controversial. I don't know exactly why it's controversial. Maybe I agree with him on those controversial ideas too. I just haven't gone into depth listening to everything that is ever taught. But I can say this, what he is saying about cancel culture being a dress rehearsal for mass extermination is spot on. Because we've seen it before, not just in China, but in North Korea. See, Kim Il-sung, a lot of people don't know this, but he went to one of the top schools in Asia, provided free of charge by Christian missionaries. If you don't know who Kim Il-sung is, he is the founder of North Korea, the very first president of the hermit state that we now see where the misery level is just so sky high. People suffer every single day because of the policies that Kim Il-sung brought in place. And right now today, he is considered to be the eternal father of their nation. People actually pray out to him. So because he was so highly respected, it's important that people do not know that he was educated for free at the cost of donations that came from churches to missionaries to be educated in a missionary school by missionary teachers. And his parents, the parents of this, this infallible godlike leader of North Korea were both members of the underground house church, his father a preacher, his mother a deaconess. In order for the Koreans to hate Christians in the way that they do today, where they roll over them with steamrollers and kill them at, at, at will and, and take pleasure in it and take pleasure in their torture, they must first do so by canceling culture so that the Koreans never learn the true history of Kim Jong-un or Kim Il-sung rather. It's not just in China, not just in North Korea. We see it in many other countries as well, even Muslim countries like Iran. In Iran, we see that Jews are canceled by culture or that the Iranians run their own cancel culture on Jews. It's probably a better way to say it. Never mind that God gave Cyrus a vision in the Bible to save all Jews and bless them to go back and rebuild their temple and to make sure that not only did Cyrus take from the riches of the Babylonians and give it to the Jews so that they could go and rebuild their temple and live there again and rebuild their nation and follow after their God, but he also gave them riches and resources from his own treasury to bless them to be a part of their recovery. Never mind that it was a Jew that used to be a wife of the most famous king of Persia, King Xerxes. Never mind that it was a Jewish woman who once ruled over Persia together with her husband, King Xerxes. Those things need to be canceled from culture. Because to highlight this relationship between the Jews and Iran is to highlight that which gives Jews identity in the eyes of the Iranians and it makes them human and it's hard to kill something that you see as being human. You see, cancel culture erases history by banning the Bible. Cancel culture erases the power of the Bible by removing the name of Persia. That, this is one of the reasons why we find that Persia is no longer used for the nation of Iran. 
Hitler and the Shah come together and change the name of Persia to Iran. Why? To cancel Persia's culture that is found in biblical history. It's another step of removing their identity. That way, the, the, the leaders can come in and give Iran and stamp it with an Islamic history. An Islamic history where the Jews are a real religious enemy. Where they are the enemy of Muhammad, their, fam, their, their founder. And the Jews must be annihilated for this transgression. For that transgression now as an idea, a concept that is linked to a people. And with linking that people to this concept, you are able to dehumanize them. Therefore, when you kill them, it's not like killing people. It's like getting rid of a tumor, a bug, a cockroach. Cancel culture brings death because it removes life. How? Proverbs 18.21 tells us very clearly that the power of life and death are in the power of the tongue. You stop the tongue from speaking life and you can bring death. Those that speak life must be canceled so that only those that speak death can be heard. John 14.6 says it this way, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Jesus is saying that he's not just a way. He is the way, capital W. He is the truth, capital T. He is the life, capital L. Jesus is life. He doesn't just bring life. He is life. And if you're going to bring death, you have to cancel life. This it's the first step that we saw in China when the communists took over in 1949. And I'm going to say something that you've probably never heard before unless you've been listening to my podcast because I have been talking about this for a couple of months. This was a shock to me and I believe it might be a shock to you as well if you've never heard it before. If you have heard it before, it's not obviously not going to be much of a shock. But I've said this in a previous podcast, even labeled that previous podcast with this title, Jesus is the God of free speech. And you may not agree with that. The more you read the Bible, the more you see the freedom that we have in Christ, the more you understand that Jesus is indeed the God of free speech and the enemy needs to cancel that free speech. You see, the enemy wants to, he needs to cancel free speech because if he can end free speech, he can stop the gospel from being spread. And if he can stop the gospel from being spread, he can stop the Messiah from returning. I make that claim from Matthew 24, 14. It's kind of become my life verse in the last 10, 20 years. That this gospel of the kingdom will be preached to all the nations and then the end will come. Well, that means if we were to look at that in reverse, the end will come when nations have been preached to with this gospel of the kingdom. That's when the end will come. So if you can stop the gospel of king the kingdom from being preached, then the end won't come. How do we prevent the gospel from being preached? By canceling it. I want to show you a verse that you'll never look at the same way unless you've heard me share this before. When I make the claim that Jesus is the God of free speech, I get that foundation from John chapter 1, verse 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God, and the Word was with God. Jesus is 
the word, capital W. This word that's being used here is logos, capital L. Logos is the root word for where we get the word logic. It's also the Greek word for using discussion. So it's this word that is being associated with, with, with Jesus in a way that is not done in any other religion in the world except for Christianity. It is only God that John shares that he is intricately linked. Can't even say that word, right? Intricately, intricately, am I saying that right? Uh, that is directly linked, <laughs> integratedly linked with logos. Logos is the word. The word is God. God is the word. Logos is God. God is logos. This is a noun. It's, it's, this, is, this is not just an idea. This is not just a concept. This is not just a contribute. Uh, a contribute. This, is, this is not just a characteristic. This is God. I don't know what's wrong with my speech right now. I'm super excited. I can't get words out fast enough. If I feel like I'm speaking like a machine gun, it's because my mind is moving faster than my mouth and my mouth is trying to keep up. But I want you to think about this. In the beginning was the word. And what happened in the beginning? God created the world. And how did he create the world? By speaking it into existence. He spoke the word and he brought order to chaos. He spoke the word and he brought light to darkness. He spoke the word and he brought life to death. He said, let there be light. And there was light from his words. Jesus is the word of God that brought order to chaos 2,000 years ago, and I believe is bringing order to chaos today. He brought light to darkness 2,000 years ago, and I believe he's bringing light to darkness today. He is not a change God. He is not a different God. He is the same God. He is the same God who spoke the word. He is the same God that said create, and it was created. He was the same God who spoke and it gave power to create the entire universe around us, to stop God's creation, to stop God's love, to stop God's mission, and yes, to stop God from even giving life, I believe you have to cancel his words. And you, for that, you must implement a cancel culture. How can Satan stop the power of God? By stopping his words. How can God stop the power of God in you? By stopping your words. He can't stop God, but maybe he can stop your words. And if God is in you, that which you speak comes out as not of you, but of God. It's not you who lives, but God who lives in you. So therefore, it's not you who speaks, but God who speaks through you. And if Satan is to stop that which you are doing on God's behalf. And if God, if Satan is to stop God from moving in your life and through your life, he must cancel those words because those words are powerful. How can he kill you? Satan can commit, kill you by demanding that your words of life be canceled. If he can cancel your words of life, then he brings words of death in their absence. Oh, but cancel culture 
also discriminates against homosexuals and minorities. It happened that way in China as well in 1950 and 1960s. You can't deny that. You can't deny that the gypsies were killed in China during the communist revolution. You can't deny that homosexuals were killed during the communist revolution. No, I can't. Why? Do you think that Satan's message of hate and death discriminates? It doesn't. Even though Christians are the target, they're not the only people that are hurt. Everybody hurts when Satan comes in with cancel culture. Homosexuals and minorities or gypsies or whoever you want to point to that were persecuted by the Chinese, there's a word you don't really hear anymore, but they were collateral damage. That's a word that's kind of been removed from our vocabulary because it's, it's, it's got so many negative connotations when it used to be used by politicians. Now if a politician uses it, it's considered really, really bad, so people don't use it, but they were considered by Satan to be mere collateral damage. Satan wants to destroy God's people, and if a few innocent bystanders are killed in the process, so be it. Satan's desire is for them all to fall anyway. So if there is collateral damage for others that died during his targeting of Christians, pff, that's a win-win. God doesn't just speak life. He is life. He's the noun of life. Life has a name. It's Jesus. Jesus is the name of life. And if Satan can cancel the word of life, he can bring death. That's his goal. God never suppresses your speech. He always gives you the freedom of speech. And you can say whatever you want, but I don't advise it. So you, you have the freedom to say whatever you want, but you're not free from the consequences. The Bible tells us not to lie, don't bear false witness, don't use harmful words. So the Bible tells us there's certain speech we shouldn't use, but in the end, it's your choice. And you can use that speech if you want, but you have to bear the consequences. Adam told, or God told Adam and Eve, don't eat of the tree, but he gave them the choice. God told David, don't lust, but he gave David the freedom to disobey. You see, our God is a God of freedom and without choice, there's no freedom. Because if you don't have choice, then you do the only thing that's available. That's not choice. That's being created as a robot. God didn't make us as robots. He gave us free choice. Freedom is absolutely essential. Think about this. Could God have made you love him? He didn't make you love him. He did not make you love him. Why? Why didn't God just make you love him? Wouldn't it be better to live in eternity in heaven against your own will? Because love can only exist in freedom. When there's no freedom, love doesn't exist. Love can only exist when you have a choice not to love. If you are forced to love, that's no longer love. That's a robotic reaction. I talk about that in depth in a book that I wrote called The Three Trees in the Garden of Eden. If you want to see three trees, you can get that on our website, but it really points out in a long way that love is a choice that can only be made by a free person, and God gives us freedom. 
We have choice, the choice to love God or not to love God. He gave you and he gave me that freedom. That's why I believe everybody, everyone that goes to heaven, goes to heaven by choice. And everyone that goes to hell, goes to hell by choice. Now you might hear that and laugh and be like, who would choose to go to hell? Nobody would choose to go to hell. That's the stupidest thing I've ever heard. But the truth is, God is peace. So you can choose God, which is peace, or you can choose that which is not God, which is not peace. God is justice. And you can choose justice, or you can choose that which is not justice, which is the opposite of justice. God is life. God is love. God is the way. And when you choose that which is opposite of him, there's only really one way to go, and that's away from everything that he is. The closer I get to God, the closer I get to life, justice, peace, love. The further I get away from God, when I choose to leave him, unfortunately, I choose to leave all that he is as well. You see, I can't take elements of God with me when I leave him because he is inseparable from who he is. I can't take God from I, I can't take love from God and run away carrying love with me as if it's something separate. If I take love from God and run away, I'm carrying God with me. Because God is love. Does that make sense? I know that might be hard for some to understand, but the truth is that that is why I believe that everybody that goes to hell has chosen to go there. Because once you reject Christ, you reject all that he is. And that my friend is hell. That's misery. That's your choice. But with Satan, you don't have a choice. Satan doesn't give you a choice. Once you come to serve Satan, he makes you his slave. And slaves don't choose. Everything for a slave is chosen. That's what happens when you're a slave. But John 15, 15 says, I no longer call you slaves, but friends. Jesus didn't make us slaves. He made us friends. You see, Satan makes you a slave, but Jesus makes you free. Satan takes away your right to speak. He cancels your free speech, but Jesus gives you the freedom of free speech. He is the God of freedom. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Satan is the god of cancel culture. And cancel culture brings death. That's why I believe that it is the dress rehearsal of mass murder. What's the first thing you see when an enemy takes over an area? I want you to, if you go back and you look at the history of China, North Korea, Iran, as soon as the Islamic regime, as soon as the communists, as soon as the atheist regime took over nations, think about this. All of these nations, even though they have different practices, different views, different religions, they carried out the same exact laws. And that was to cancel free speech, cancel history, and cancel those that speak about it. Because the goal of the enemy that was working through these regimes is to bring darkness. So you have to cancel those that speak the word because the word brings light and illuminates the darkness. And if you want to live in the darkness, you have to cancel the light. 
Satan wants to bring death, and the words bring life, so you have to cancel the word. And not just the word, the spoken word, logos. You see, the enemy has to bring cancel culture and cancel out your freedom of speech because Satan has to kill logos, the word. The enemy has to crucify logic. The enemy has to end discussion, logos, and put it on a cross. And today in cancel culture, we see that Satan is canceling free speech every day. He is crucifying free speech on the cross. But I believe that this is the third day coming and free speech is rising again from the dead. How does the gospel spread? Think about that. How does the gospel of Jesus Christ spread throughout the world? Don't take my word for it. You've read the Bible yourself. You know exactly how the good news spreads in the Bible if you just read it and, 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 and go through the book of Acts and if you go through the, the, the synodic gospels of Matthew, Mark, and Luke, you'll see exactly how the good news of Jesus Christ is spread. And how does it spread? By spoken word. The disciples traveled around and told others. They preached to others. They shared with others. I've asked this before. I'm going to ask it again. How many Torahs did Jesus print? How many Torahs did Jesus hand out? How many books of the Bible did Jesus write? Have you ever thought about that? Jesus didn't write anything for us, I believe, because he spoke it. And his words wrote directly onto the hearts of his disciples. And they were to go out and repeat the process. Logos, the word, and the logos was planted inside of them. And his disciples went out spreading the logos to others. Here is a lesson of cancel culture directly from China. I'm going to read something that I believe you might have seen before. I've actually posted this on my Facebook, but I want to read it for those that may not have seen that and are listening to this podcast for the very first time. It, I, I entitled it, The Day the Police Were No Longer Needed. I believe that it is a lesson in cancel culture. On August 19, 1966, students launched a fight for social justice to fight for the rights of the oppressed in China. The patriarch system in China had been created by the evil 1% and it held down women, minorities, and the working class. The students cried out for a revolution and change. They launched the Cultural Revolution. Students put on red bands around their arms and stood in solidarity with the oppressed. And they called for a change on old ideas. And those old ideas were called the four olds. What were the four olds? Old customs, old culture, old habits, and old ideas. The movement was supported by the Chinese media. Mass demonstrations and looting started by the students. They tore down statues. Chinese architecture was destroyed. Classical literature and Chinese paintings were torn apart and burned. Temples were desecrated. The cemetery of Confucius was attacked. The corpse of a 76th generation Duke Yang Sheng was removed from its grave and hung naked from a tree. 
Wealthy homes were attacked and destroyed. Many families' long-kept genealogy books were burned to ashes. Public leaders who were considered to be oppressive were tried by angry mobs and vigilantes. Three days later, August 22, 1966, a central directive was issued to stop police intervention. The police were disbanded in the city and the students formed a community solution called the Red Guard, representing the red bands around their arm. The Red Guards policed their own communities and they punished anyone who did not agree with their ideas. Even people that supported the movement but had bad thoughts could be punished. Many Christians heard the words, you know, helping the oppressed, and said, hey, Jesus helped the oppressed. They heard the minority people were being treated unfairly, and the Christians felt, hey, Jesus stood on the oppressed people. They, he stood on the side of oppressed people everywhere. They heard of women being kept down, and they said, Jesus supports equality of women. They heard that the rich were getting richer and the poor were getting poorer, and they said, well, Jesus did speak out against the rich. Mao Zedong used the words that Christians like to hear so that he could get their support. But as soon as he got their support to cancel the culture of others, he then turned to cancel their culture. Christians that supported the movement in the beginning quickly became the number one target of red guards and public trials were held to condemn them to death. I wrote several books about this and I interviewed several people that had this happen to their family members and to themselves. Many of those that were on board with the cause of the rebellion in the beginning saw that it was not really what they signed up for. But by the time the Christians realized what was happening, it was too late. The power that the Red Guard wanted had already been handed over. 70 million people died from the Cultural Revolution in China. More than any war, famine, or natural disaster in the history of man. Of course, that depends on what numbers you look at and go by. But the top lesson for this time in history of Mao Zedong is this. And I want you to please remember this. For a lie to exist, logos, logic, debate, truth, must not be allowed to be spoken. It has to be canceled. I'm going to say that again. For a lie to exist, truth must not be allowed to be spoken. It must be canceled. Here's a law of cancel culture. If you're able to write this down and just kind of look at it and kind of put it into your spirit, I think that it would be wise to do so. This is a law of cancel culture. The greatest enemy of a lie is truth. But the enemy of truth is not a lie. Lies have no power over truth. So the enemy of truth is silence. That's why you have to cancel. The greatest enemy of a lie is truth. But the enemy of truth is not a lie. It's silence. Do not ever listen to those that believe that we must be protected by others by canceling out the voice of others. Don't ever listen to those that believe that we must protect others, or protect ourselves, I should say, by canceling out others. The greatest damnations ever inflicted on mankind were all done by those that thought they were canceling one group for the protection of another group. Never works out. 
Let me read a quote by one of my favorite authors, C.S. Lewis. He said this, Of all the tyrannies, a tyranny sincerely exercised for the good of its victims may be the most oppressive. And it would be better to live under robber barons than under omnipotent moral busybodies. Because the robber baron's cruelty may stop sometimes to sleep. His cupidity may at some point be satiated, but those who torment us for our own good will torment us without end, for they do so with the approval of their own conscience. Jesus is the truth, and the truth wants to be pursued, not canceled. Those that desire truth will embrace debate. Debate is not the rejection of truth. I believe it is the chasing of truth. It's the seeking. It's the asking. It's the knocking. It is the pursuit with passion. That's what debate is. Truth has a marriage with reality. And when questioned, when challenged, we see the intimacy of this marriage. An inseparable and saucy endeavor, I believe, exists between truth and reality. But lies, lies have an affair with reality. It's not married to reality. It might sleep with reality from time to time, but it's completely divorced from it. Some will hear that and say, no, no, no. Faith is not debatable. You don't debate faith, Mr. Eugene Bach. Look, you can look at the Pharisees and the Sadducees. They tried to debate Jesus. Shouldn't the Pharisees' words have been canceled? Uh-huh. Got me there. No, I would say that what was taking place with the Pharisees was not debate. They weren't seeking truth. They were initiating debate, logos, in order to find truth. They were not interested in the truth. They were not interested in chasing the truth. They questioned Jesus and were trying to debate with Jesus for entrapment, not truth, because they wanted to cancel him. If they could cancel Jesus, they knew that they could turn the people against him. They couldn't turn the people against him if the people were able to hear him speak because he spoke truth and it resonated with the people. They had to cancel Jesus because if they had a chance at turning the people against Jesus, they could only have that chance by canceling him. They had to remove his words. They had to stop them from being spoken because his spoken words were infecting their thoughts. If he, they could cancel his words, they could cancel Jesus from their thoughts. And if he could cancel Jesus from their thoughts, they could kill him and cancel him from history. The thing that's needed for to stop lies is not less speech. It's not canceling speech. You don't cancel speech because you think you're going to stop lies. The thing that is needed to stop lies is not canceling speech, but allowing more speech. Freedom of speech brings out truth and truth drives out lies because more truth equals less lies. The power of truth triumphs. Don't doubt it. Don't be afraid of the lies. There's nothing to be afraid of. Let me end by saying this in relation to cancel culture. Contrary to popular beliefs, free countries do not give freedom to Christians Free countries, no matter where you live, no matter where, how free you think your country is, no matter what your legislation says, no matter what your constitution says, no matter what your bill of rights say, free countries do not give freedom to Christians. 
Christians give birth to free countries. End of discussion. Mic drop. Those freedoms, freedom of speech, is on trial. And cancel culture is doing everything in its power, attempting to remove truth from our lives. I bring this message from China. The real reason for your freedoms being under attack, it's not because of power, it's not because of greed, it's not because of money or wealth. I believe that the real reason, the real attack on your freedom of speech is spiritual. Because in order to hold a generation in darkness, the enemy has to stop the gospel. And to do that, to stop the gospel, he has to cancel the gospel message. He must cancel freedom of speech. That's why the enemy moves, makes his first move the same every single time. The good news of Jesus Christ can never be canceled. <laughs> That's the beauty of it. If they kill us, our words still echo. If they cancel us, they can't stop the life and liberty that God's words give us. They can try to cancel us, but it won't stop the continuation of the good news of Jesus Christ because people are just too hungry. The good news of Jesus Christ can never be canceled. I want to thank you so much for joining us for another Back to Jerusalem podcast. Again, I'm Eugene Bach, your host for this time, and I'm coming to you live on delay from somewhere within the borders of the United States. God bless you.